Could I be anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I'll start this guy, so then we're going to be faux real real. Faux real. Faux rizzle, faux shizzle. You're not, uh, you're not using the uh, real life merchandise. I am not today because I already had water in the bottle, so I just grabbed the bottle. But I hope you're going to recycle. So I do always recycle. I had to write an article this morning about sustainability. I do indeed. In the South and how the South can be more sustainable. Can I throw a pet peeve out there about the concept of sustainability? We emphasize sustainability without recognizing the reality of profitability. If things are not profitable, they cannot be sustainable because no business can continue to exist. No economy, no society can continue to exist if it is not economically sustainable in addition to being ecologically sustainable. So what's the happy medium? I don't know that it's a medium. It's a matter of finding ways to monetize that which is good. Oh, I agree. So, you know... But that would require businesses to switch their... A lot of businesses to switch their practices. Yes, and when you when you make it profitable for them to do so, right. then they will do so. Mm-hmm. And very often, the things that we call sustainable do not make things more sustainable. And I say this as a regenerative, regenerative farmer or regenerative rancher. It's really a micro ranch. We're pretty small for a ranch. But our, our entire focus is faithful stewardship of God's creation through sustainable and profitable farming, responsible and profitable farming. So the emphasis on responsible practices is probably more accurate than sustainable practices in most of the time that we use it. However, sustainability is important, but it needs to be a holistic sustainability, not just what's fashionable right now to talk about. For example, are we in something to rant about or are we in something to talk about? Because you, know, you got me fired up. Sustainability chat. So, so if you, I'm a big believer in fair trade yeah. products, particularly fair trade coffee, which is a, a coffee and chocolate are two very bad areas, along with textiles, uh, where a lot. Oh my of, gosh, textile waste! I just learned about that. Unbelievable. So the focus for for most things, if you if you see the Rainforest Alliance certification, which is if it's Rainforest certified, it's a fair trade product, right. but it's not primarily based on. Fair trade. It's not primarily based on human ethics, labor ethics. That's part of it, but it's the primary focus is on ecological ethics. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at ecological sustainability, and also you know ethical labor practices. But the ecological impact that's so much more important. And, and yes, sustainable human ethics. Come on, man. The, if, if we are placing the value of a tree over the value of a human being, we have missed it. So not that we should neglect it. Christians of all people have a clear picture of our ecological responsibility to care for the planet as God's stewards. That's our assignment uh, from, from the dawn of creation. God put us in a position, yes, of dominion to rule over the earth, but to do so as his vassal kings, if you will, that we we are here to essentially be God's managers mm. of his creation. So if we don't do that well, then we dishonor God. If we neglect the importance of the environment, we dishonor God. But if we elevate the, uh, the non-image-bearing creation over 
the human beings that God created to bear his image, then we are not following the plan. Then we're doing it from a humanistic perspective rather from, than from a spiritual perspective. In any case, don't litter, don't pollute. You know, woodsy owl, give a hoot, just, don't pollute. I just wanted you to recycle your water bottle. <laughs> and, which is why I always recycle my water bottle. Uh, and nobody wants to see ducks with six-pack you know, plastic holders around their necks. I don't see any more necks, the Dawn you know. dish soap commercials with right. y'all dumping oil in the water. Right, so, so anyway. do good things. Yes. Be, be wise, be smart. But if we do things, like, for example, the Green New Deal, did, did we get into something to rant about? Did, you know, this is when, I'm waiting to see how you're going to transition w- When this. we don't rant beforehand, then we yeah, are Y'all don't do see like, what we usually talk <laughs> so, about for like an so, hour before we even so start the podcast. Today we had the calm talk beforehand, and now right. we get the rant. It was semi-calm. But things like the Green New Deal, which are not sustainable. This is the point. If you destroy economies, if you destroy businesses to do this, then all of your grounds that you supposedly gain go away when everything collapses. So we should have talked about 80s movies on here. Then we could do some more ranting, but that probably ends up being more inappropriate ranting. Yeah. Because as you mentioned then, that is not a picture of a life worthy of the calling that we've received. Right, so and that would have been the, a transition. This is the difficulty sometimes with the ranting, is sometimes my mannerism, the way I conduct myself in the, in the midst of passion. I almost said the throes of passion. That sounds different, uh, but it means the same, only people's minds go different places. But in, in the middle of a passionate... I like the word, though, throws. I like in, how it's spelled. I do, too. In, in, in a passionate conversation about convictions, we can end up in a rant. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. I don't know that that... We need more de- rants. I don't know that heated debate is a bad thing. However, it can quickly become judgmental and unloving. And I can mm. be exactly what I would condemn in others in, in wiser moments. That is not the picture that Paul gives us in Ephesians 4 of what the appropriate Christian life is all about. It only took us five minutes to get there. That's quicker than usual. Right. I'm, I'm really shocked by that. And I don't shock easily anymore. But you know, when we look at Ephesians 4, which is where we were on Sunday as we were talking about a life worthy in the midst of our Ephesians series, All for One, Paul Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, this is the first uh, four verses, uh, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's talking about a life that is suitable, that is appropriate, that is fitting because of everything he said in the first two, especially chapters, but the first three chapters of the letter, talking about who we are in Christ. And so in Christ, he has changed us. He has he has ripped us out of ourselves, controlled by the sinful nature, given us a new identity as his children. We have been chosen, adopted, uh, predestined to be adopted. We've been set apart for him. And he's saying, as those who have been set apart, you need to live like someone set apart. Mm-hmm. So if you are a child of the king, you need to live in a, in a way that is befitting a royal. Right. He, he continues in verse 2. To describe that then, <clears throat> what does it look like? Uh, and these are kind of, this is a preamble of sorts for the rest of, of the letter. He's going to be talking about, you know, I think the NIV heading at one point says rules for Christian living. He's going to be talking about how do you live, the, the, the classic question, how shall we then live in light of what we know 
What are we supposed to do about that? How, right. how does that and that's look? The big, and that's the big question. That's how we connect the reality right. of God to the realities of life. Right. And so what, what, what Paul is doing here is in the first three chapters, he's saying this is the reality of God. Mm-hmm. God did this. If you are in Christ, it's because God placed you in Christ. You might have thought that, that this was all about your, you know, your goodness and your free will and all that, but even your free will is a gift of God. Everything that you have here, every part of your salvation comes from God. And so God, 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 God. Now, how do we connect the reality of God to what you are doing in your relationships, in your everyday experiences? So in those relationships, we need to reflect the reality of Christ. This is the the, the way that it connects. So he says in verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We'll talk more about that unity of the Spirit next week. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Maybe not next week, in a couple of weeks. It'll, It'll be there. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, not just unity, not pointless unity, not uniformity, and he develops that as he goes along, but the oneness in the Spirit, in God's Holy Spirit, bound together in Christ. Make every effort to keep that unity through the bond of peace. And he goes on to to explain the foundation of that. There's one body, one Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, the, the identification with Christ in his church in, in the form of baptism, however that uh, plays out in particular denominational backgrounds and, and however folks might be convicted about that particular practice, it all is a representation of our identity in Christ and our identity as part of Christ's church. <clears throat> So there's one baptism, um, I lost my place, there we go. One God, one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So that, that unity, that oneness is really, that's the picture of all of the book of Ephesians. It's a focus right. on all things reckled, reconciled, to God, reckled? reconciled to God in Christ. All things under the rule of Christ. So we are, are made right, we're justified and set right with God by Christ, in Christ, being united with Christ. Therefore, we have died with Christ and we have been raised with Christ. And so now we walk in Christ. We walk as those who have been changed, who have been saved. And so there's a oneness between our position and our practice. And that's the, what the rest of the book of Ephesians is talking about that. Because you're a Christian, I would say, if you are a Christian, if this stuff applies to you in the first three chapters, then this applies to you in the last three chapters. But if you start with, do this, don't do this. You know, if you, if you right. follow the, the rules, it means nothing because you're not in Christ. But if you've been changed by the Holy Spirit and, and God has united you to Christ so that all that is true of Christ is true of you and you've been chosen and adopted and uh, predestined to be holy and blameless before him, then in doing that, you will live this way. And, he, and, and this requires a conscious effort. It requires as he says here in living in unity, it requires a, a, an effort. Make every effort to live in unity by the, uh, through the spot of unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. Words hard. <clears throat> um, 
We spent too much time. Far too much, apparently. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, the whole purpose of, of what he's saying here in this preamble, leading into the rest of the, of the book of Ephesians, is <laughs> to borrow from our friend Dennis, learn the gospel, live the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so Dennis, well done with that. Good job. Um, and, and that's where sometimes it... That's why we do something to rant about off the air, because sometimes I can... It's our Patreon we're going to pay for. In the, in the midst of the passion and conviction related to truth, we can too easily, I can too easily forget to be completely humble and gentle. Same. Can forget to be patient. Can forget to bear with others in love. And can forget to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And <clears throat> again, that unity is not let's just let's just all go along to get along and, right. and have no stance, no convictions, no you know check your brains at the door and just fall in line with with what's uh, considered to be acceptable. Not that By the world at of all. Coke. Well played. <laughs> um, and it's it's frustrating though. I mean, it's it is, it is. these things are. Not easy to do all the time, uh, even if you have the best of intentions or the best thought process. I guess it's still <coughs> it's still very easy to fall into the opposite of what uh, what Paul is saying to do here. It really is, and I think that's one of the reasons. And 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 Paul can fall into that too. And you'll see him throughout his letters periodically catch himself mm-hmm. where where he's like, okay, uh, he gets really passionate mm-hmm. with convictions. And I, and for the longest time, when I was uh, a younger Christian, a young adult, um, reading Paul's letters, uh, mostly in college, <clears throat> reading Paul's letters and looking at him, like, man, he's like the angry apostle, right? He's, he, you know, look at the things that he says, these harsh things. And then I can look back at it now and read it in its full context and, and read it um, with the rest of the word, even the rest of his own writings, interpreting the passages that are a little stickier and, and think, well, He's really not being the harsh, angry apostle, but he is passionate. And because of the reality of God in his life, the reality of Christ, having uh, turned from someone who was persecuting Christians to seeing the risen Christ and saying, okay, I get it. This is real. Because this is real, I'm going to let go of what I thought was real to take hold of what is real. And that... When it's not a religion mm-hmm. that you're that you're mustering up and you're choosing to adhere to, but something that you have now recognized that already is objectively and externally true, it changes everything about how right. you see it. I mean, when you're truly passionate about something, you're not going to sit there and talk about it like this. You want people to get it. Right. And so if that s- somehow makes you come across as maybe you're you're emphasizing things more maybe you're raising your voice a little more maybe right. you're using sharper words uh, but if if you're doing that over i mean none of which is inherently unloving right uh, i mean i do that over a, a stupid tv show so imagine how much more how much more would paul who has experienced this for himself because they're going to break lucas's heart stop right? see i'll get like really passionate about it um <laughs> Imagine how much more Paul, who has experienced this and seen it now, needs to like be like, "Hey, y'all need to listen. Like, right. this is what's going on." So I get that, and sometimes that can can come across as angry. And I think in today's world where we don't want to deal with any of that, we want everything to be you know sunshine and roses. Yeah. No, I mean, think people are oh, now. You passed it on to me. Um, Words. I think people are kind of like 
ew, I don't want to deal with the, that. That's harsh. That's too harsh. Right. But I think we need some harsh sometimes. I, to be like, hey, get this. I think I've shared it before on the podcast, but I, I know I, I shared it recently with uh, one of the Bible study groups. I was in a, a church uh, of a particular denomination that is no longer present in our town, but I was at, at a, a church a number of years ago, probably 25 plus years ago, and they had um, pamphlets explaining what they stood for mm. as a as a denomination and i'm not even kidding basically it just said we don't stand for anything because <laughs> i mean they they literally said and i'm i'm paraphrasing because i i don't want to was aaron burr's problem i don't want to say that i uh that i'm quoting it and get it wrong but right. it's very close to this paraphrase uh, it's almost word for word that we don't teach doctrine because doctrine divides which of oh, course, is before, yeah. itself a doctrine and is a logical fallacy then. But that, then what are you teaching? Right, that's the thing. So you've got a whole <laughs> pamphlet saying, here, here are our beliefs. Uh, we don't have any. Or, you know, we, we believe that we shouldn't be really firm about our beliefs because then we're going to argue and we're going to divide. Well, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks here that Paul says exactly the opposite. Right. If you want unity, you must have doctrine and you must have sound doctrine and you must continue to grow the more we grow together in christ the more we'll realize all of these divisions in our doctrine one of us often both of us is wrong Mm -hmm. right so we're not both right when we say opposing things but we can both be wrong yeah and and what we find out when we get to heaven or as we grow in our doctrine is wait a minute all the stuff that i thought that that came from my head the stuff that I right. see in the Word, this is what unites us. This is even, the, the part that draws us But even stuff you together. do see in the Word, and maybe this is assuming too much, would you not say that you could read something in the Bible 20 years ago and 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 over your growth and reading yeah. it again and again, you, you see it differently now? Well, I think that's what I was just saying with, with my, what you just said. With, with my yeah, take like with on the Paul. Context is, and I didn't understand right. as well then. As I understand now, but the willingness to understand that and be able to think through that, and I wouldn't—I don't want to say change your mind because sure. you're not necessarily changing your mind. You're you're educating yourself further, yeah. and you're learning more. So the—I think a lot of people don't want to humble themselves to do that. That's why Paul says, I think it's in Philippians that all of us who are mature should should think this way. So what I'm telling you, this is how all of us who are spiritually mature should think. And if you don't, then by definition, you're not spiritually mature. But he doesn't trip about it. He's, right. you know, he's practicing the DFO rule. Don't freak out. He, he is saying to them, we should all think this way. Mm-hmm. And, but if on some point you disagree, the Holy Spirit will make that clear to you. In your growth, as you grow in Christ, because I trust that you are sincere believers who are committed to God's word, eventually, you might not see it now, but you'll see it later. Mm-hmm. You might disagree now because your framework is still overwhelming what you're, what you're recognizing as the text of God's word. So I don't have to like it, but I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I see, and that's why we spent extra time in Ephesians chapter one talking about predestination and election, because it's there and I can't escape it, and it's it's throughout the scripture. So I need to figure out how to deal with it rightly, because we have a tendency to view such things through our culture. So if you grew up in a uh, some, some sort of a reformed Calvinist type background and you see those things and you're like, yeah, all right. You know, that's, that's what we've been saying straight along. It's all, you know, God's election, God's sovereign election. Uh, but if you grew up in an Arminian background, immediately the hair on the back of your neck stands up when you hear those things. And, it, and it's hard 
to accept it even when you read it in the Word. So whatever, you know, and, and same thing if you grow up a, a you know, a complementarian, and you believe that, that that men and women have equal value, but God has separate roles for them. Mm-hmm. And then when you see that in the Word, you're like, yeah, yeah. But then when you see something that seems to say the opposite, that you know, where Paul says there's neither male nor female, then you don't know how to process that because you can only go through your particular framework. And then if you grew up egalitarian, saying that hey, it's all all equal, all exactly the same for men and women, then you see Paul's things are like he can't possibly mean that. And you see something else that fits your framework. Oh, absolutely. That's obvious. So our framework. You want an SAT word for it? Yes. Heuristic. Heuristic. Is that a new word for you? Uh, it was a new word for me as of yesterday. Is it H-E-U? Or? Yes. Okay. Heuristic. Heuristic. Use it in a sentence today. Would you like to know the definition? Throw it at us. You know how I, I get excited it. about new vocabulary. Uh, it's not new in familiarity. It's new in use it's a, for it's, me. It's, a, it's, it's a, not it's a, a word that I have used. It's actually an approach. It's people use a heuristic approach. And it's basically, uh, well, this says to problem solving that uses a practical method or various shortcuts in order to produce solutions that may not be optimal but are sufficient giving it, given a limited time frame or deadline. So basically, when I was writing about this yesterday, it was how we this make... This is why we use jargon in, in business. Right. So. Basically, it's how people make decisions based on things that past beliefs or things they've been through before or whatever, even if that means ignoring facts, ignoring the data, ignoring whatever. I've made up my mind. Don't confuse right. me with So facts. from a biblical, a biblical standpoint, Words. I think that also comes into play. Absolutely. We tend to, you know, we'll say, I grew up in this church and this is what we believed. So I'm yeah. not going to ever change that because I'm okay with this, even though the facts and figures and every, the truth is right here. Right. So. And none of us are completely objective. That's, that's right. Just reality. Right. No human being is right. uh, completely objective, and so we, when we recognize that, and, and recognize that that we do have a tendency to take that heuristic approach, to to let our framework drive our understanding of the text. Mm-hmm. Right. By recognizing that, now I can counter it. Now right. I can surrender recognizing my framework. Recognizing it is hard. It is. It be, well, and there's so much that people talk about now of you know the you know innate privilege and, and well, innate right. bias, uh, inherent bias, those types of things where you're a racist but you don't know you're a racist mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there are certain aspects of that. The, the, let me state on the record. We're gonna get back to ranting. on this that critical theory is in its nature an unbiblical worldview rooted in an unbiblical worldview and i would contend that it is in itself specifically wicked wait because i'm unfamiliar with critical race theory or critical theory yes so it's defining people essentially this is a a, oh based based on based on on their perceived identities as oppressed or or um, oppressors so there are and that's obviously not a you know, a, a professional definition. Sure, right? sure, that, sure. That's a, a working definition that most of us can understand and see in the world around us. So I define people by their skin color or gotcha. by their background. So critical. So theory, that's not going to cause division at all. No, no, no. I'm sure it won't be controversial. Uh, critical theory is bigger than critical race theory, but we see sure. critical race theory primarily right sure. now. But critical theory involves things like gender and, and so on. So there's all kinds of, of different approaches to it. But it, it's see, it's classifying people in these temporal identities. Well, in a way, so, I mean, I'm going to have different 
a, maybe a different viewpoint on some things as a 33-year-old woman Absolutely. than you are as you know a 50-some-year-old man. 100% correct. And, and that's where, like every lie, every good lie has a little bit of truth in it, right? right? So when we see things like critical theory, there is an element of reality in there. We all do have, to one extent or another, innate biases. Sure. And maybe innate's the wrong word because it's not like it's it's born into our biology, right. but in our in our sociology, as we grow up in our particular setting, whatever that is, our our generation, our um, our background, our, our little economic, corner of where our town, right, like our geography, town. our socioeconomic status, mm -hmm. all of those things influence our framework. And often they are unconscious things. Sure. And so we do have various unconscious biases. Uh, and we're not here to talk about critical theory necessarily. Sorry, I, so, didn't, I wanted to know what it was. No, that's cool. But I will, <laughs> I will very quickly go into another half hour on just that and, and just barely scrape the surface. But the, the reality of all of these things comes back to this tendency to let our framework drive our view of right. reality. Right. And so when we're studying the scriptures, when we're looking at what Paul is saying here, uh, it's easy for me to fall into what I already believe and have you know, what, what we might call confirmation bias. Right. This is what I expect it to say, therefore that's how I read and it. That's a big problem and, today. <laughs> and just to throw another fun one at Dennis, if he happens to be listening, is the word eisegesis. Exegesis is to draw out from the text. I'm, I'm going to explore it and draw out from it. Eisegesis is basically reading into the text. So I'm going to look at uh, its... Exegesis is a, a Greek word. Eisegesis right. is a pseudo-Greek word. It's kind of uh, made up uh, for this. I do that a lot. <laughs> but anyhow, but the, the, the difference is drawing from the biblical text or reading into it. Sure. And when I let my framework drive what I believe, mm -hmm. then I'm going to, to have that confirmation bias. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, see, it clearly says this. Because that's what I already and expected it to say. And that's why everyone's getting it twisted. That is exactly right. So when we begin to then interpret... People are saying, oh, it can't really mean that, or this is because what it means today. Right. So then you start throwing out false narratives like the Bible doesn't really condemn homosexuality. Because it sounds better in the 21st century. Or, right. Uh, we're reading it through our 21st century lens. And we do that. We're seeing that in cancel culture. You know, you look at a Dr. Seuss book and, and, and you think, oh, wow, it's horribly racist. Well, you're looking at it in the lens of 2021, not the lens of 1937 or 1950. And that doesn't mean that it isn't what it is. But it also doesn't mean Dr. Seuss was a racist. Right. There's a context <laughs> that goes along right. with it. Right. And so that, that doesn't justify, it doesn't mean that there wasn't racism or that there isn't today. But we see things differently because of the lens of our particular cultural milieu as we're Sometimes as we're talking that's about. good, sometimes that's bad. <laughs> I, I think when we are trying to judge others according to our framework without understanding their context, well, sure, that's, that's pretty much always going to be at least dangerous. Yeah. So when we read, for example, the letter to the Ephesians, we need to recognize that Paul, in, in our Bible study groups, we call this traveling instruction, uh, that, that Paul's not writing to me right. in Three Oaks as a white American male in his 50s in a small town in Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, in, in an evangelical church, right. he's not writing to me in, to, in 2021. Right. He's writing to believers in Asia, right. in 
first century Roman Empire in a, a major city, the, basically the, the capital of the province of Asia, with a major pagan temple and, and lots of... Con totally different setting. So I have to understand the context of of who he's writing to, why he's writing it, see the whole book, not just pull out a particular, you know, we're, we're looking at four verses here, really three with the fourth as a foundation. And if we just take that and, and build our understanding of what Paul's saying from just that, then I'm missing so much right. because this is a small part of a larger letter, which is a small part of the New Testament, which is a small part of the whole Bible. So when if we're not seeing the whole picture, then we're not going to be able to legitimately make the connection between the reality of who God is and what he is doing and what I'm experiencing every day in the realities of life around me. It's always been so odd to me, and maybe this is getting a little off track. It's always been so odd to me that people That would can, be new for us, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, and maybe it's because of the way it's broken down into books and, and uh, verses and whatever. I'm, I'm sure it is, actually. But it's always been so odd to me that people can just take pieces from the Bible, and we yeah. really don't do that with any other book. Especially if you consider not, like, not as readily. I think we do it a lot, but we don't but do it as easily or as readily. Right. As we but about when it. you think about, let's say, like some of the great greatest pieces of literature that you could think of, most people want to dive into them and really understand what they're all about. What did the author mean here? What was mm. the connection to here? Blah 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 blah. I would From say most people should. I don't know that well, most right. people do. I think people who really want to get into that do. Ah, uh, that <laughs> might be the rub, because I think that's the problem with the Bible. Well, people very yeah, often. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong because I, I you see people quoting I, I books all the time, and they're just taking a line from a book and not even knowing what the book is about. So maybe that's right. That's exactly, true. people who quote Mark Twain all the time, right, or, or quote else. Whitman or whatever. Right. I'm like, you didn't know Walt Whitman. So you know that, but I think your point is still valid that that we <laughs> do that <laughs> we do that with the Bible in a way that we don't with anything else right. or with most anything else because you might quote Plato or, or, or some other ancient text that someone has broken up into various verses or you might do it with the Quran but or, or the Book of Mormon. But to get a full picture of anything you've got to and so that's get kind the full of, picture of it. Because a lot of people don't realize maybe most but a lot of people don't realize the, the verse numbers and chapter divisions and, and things they weren't part of the original Bible. Well, they sure. were added centuries later basically to make it easier to find your way around right. because otherwise if we're talking about this section of Ephesians, right. I'd have to try to describe Like if I'm taking you to right. you know, uh, a John Steinbeck novel and I can tell you, well, on page 43 in this paragraph, well, that's great unless you have a different edition of that book right. and it's a different page and a right. different paragraph. So it, it's, same, that it's put in there to help us get around. For our benefit, but the right. downside of that is that it, I think it does foster it turns that. Turns into, you know, inspirational quotes. Right, yeah. And so most, and I don't think I'm stretching this, maybe I am, but I think most modern American Christians or postmodern American Christians know more Bible quotes yes. from bumper stickers and gift boutique things. Or what people are sharing or on Facebook. memes on Facebook, right? right? Then they actually know of the Bible. They they may be able to quote it. Mm -hmm. They may be able to quote John three sixteen because they've seen it a million times, but they've never actually read it in the What's text of the Bible, and they about? haven't seen the bigger conversation. They they don't read the verses that come after or before. Right. They have just this little piece. Or though, how often do we hear God is love? Right. But nobody ever quotes about the God is wrath. 
Except for the <laughs> except, for the, bumper sticker except for the the culty people who right. will only quote God is wrath right. and not God is love. Right. So we have this tendency. And we talked about it so many times to to ride the devil's pendulum of, mm-hmm. of swinging from extreme to extreme. I've never done that. And the reality of life, the reality of God in the midst of our realities, is 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 balance. That God is love, mm-hmm. but He's not only love, and He is wrath. But he's not only wrath. He is holy. He, holy is probably the best picture because it's the sum of all his attributes. But in God's holiness, he's more. He's mm-hmm. bigger than we ever imagined. So when we're talking about living a life right. worthy... I was going to say, that kind of swings it back to what we're actually talking about here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when we're talking about living a life worthy of the calling that we're, we've received, it's not a religious... Right. list of do's and don'ts here's my my checklist belief so that i you know if i do this then i'm accepted by god if i don't do this and i'm not accepted by god the the reality is because john three sixteen, god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that by simply trusting christ which is what the first two chapters of Ephesians are establishing, it puts us in a new position. Mm. And even that, it doesn't come from us, it comes from God. It's by grace you're saved through faith. And even the faith is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, so there's no room for boasting. Because we are God's workmanship. So God is doing the work. We are, you know, it's by grace because we're his workmanship. Through faith because we're his workmanship because he gave us the faith to receive it. And he goes on to say in in Ephesians 2.10 to say you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus in the change that we have here that he's just described, having been chosen and adopted and predestined. God is doing this in you. You were created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So because we're in Christ, we live for Christ. We do good works. But doing good works does not get us in, right. into Christ. And that's really what what he's saying in a nutshell in this whole thing is that if, if we're in Christ, that should be visible. In fact, our core reality was new life in Christ needs to new living that reflects Christ. And we talked about some different verses before we started when we were praying and, and reading the scripture to get started here in Romans 12.1, which sounds an awful lot like what he says here in Ephesians 4.1 when he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, which, by the way, I didn't even bring that out on Sunday, Paul is experiencing the persecution that comes, the right. difficulty and the hardship that comes by living a life worthy. And now that he's chained to a prison guard, or it's, he's on house arrest in a rented house, but he's imprisoned here under uh, the watchful eye of a Roman soldier, he could be bitter, right? Because right? everything's gone wrong in his life. Everything has been taken away from him now. And it'd be real easy to rant and be bitter and be angry and talk about the injustices and me. so on. But he doesn't do that. Right. Instead... This guy in this situation is saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And in 4.1, he's saying, because of who you are, I urge you to live a life worthy 
of who you are, mm-hmm. right? So Romans 12.1, he says, Therefore, I urge you, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything he's done for us, saving us by his grace and, and carrying us by his spirit, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, your spiritual act of worship. So but to me, it's fitting. Correct me if I'm wrong. That shouldn't feel like a chore. No, I feel, I feel no. Like in fact, I would say just the opposite. Right. I think it's the most freeing thing in the world to have harmony in your life. And right. I think that's one of the things that causes, uh, and, and I think we'll talk about this more specifically as we go along, because obviously we're over time already, but because well, that's a new thing for us. We've um, a lot of new things. Too. Yeah. Uh, I think the real chore is when I'm living a life that doesn't match who I am. So right, if I'm trying yes. to, you know, trying to find comfort mm-hmm. and I'm trying to feel assured and confident of my salvation, but I'm not living a life that matches that, or I'm still trying to live the religious life. So I'm trying to do this stuff to please God right. rather than doing this stuff because I already please God, because God is pleased with me because I'm his child. And out of gratitude, I want mm-hmm. then to make God's heart happy by living in a way that looks like his child, right? right? That That's a whole different perspective. And right. I think we can see that in healthy versus unhealthy uh, parent-child dynamics. A child who obeys their parent out of fear, that, that feels like a burden. Mm-hmm. But a child who obeys their parent out of love, it, it feels like a joy. If, if I'm spending my life, especially as a teenager, or as a, a, you know, a young adult trying to figure out who I am in life, and I feel like I can never please my parents, and I just have to keep doing things to, to impress them. I got to get better grades. I have to right. you know, do all this stuff. <clears throat> then it just, I can, at some point, very often this happens when people just kind of freak out and you go off the deep end and do things right. that are out of character Rebel. because it's been such a chore, such a burden. Right. But if I feel like you know my parents have expectations mm-hmm. of course they do and they have standards and we have family expectations and right. values and i love my parents and i know that i'm loved and accepted and if i mess up uh, that's who i want to go talk to is my right. parents i don't want to hide not from run them. away from right. them what when that's the relationship we have then the the doing of the good things is well, why would I do anything else? Right. You know, I, I was just having and breakfast he, with my nephew, and, and that's kind of how he approaches his relationship to his parents, that he wants to do good things. And you want to please them. Right. I love my parents. My three-year-old, this is different. <laughs> I Three-year-olds was, are a good picture, too. Well, I, I didn't think of this at the time. We were in the car the other day, and <clears throat> I don't even know what I said, but he was in the back seat, and he goes, Mommy, are you sad? <laughs> and I said... Oh, I'm okay. I'm just a little sad. It was something that happened, and he and then he did something, made a goofy noise or something. Or something. he goes, he goes, "Mommy, you're so happy now." <laughs> like he made me happy. I said, "Yes, I am. You made me happy." And because he wanted he wants that, to right? Do. He didn't want me to be upset right. or whatever. Which doesn't mean that there aren't no. times that you are displeased with his behavior, right? But that doesn't. It's not the but same as within, being displeased thought, with him. Right. As a person. And I thought, wow, it's within him to yeah. want that for me from right. a child parent standpoint. So that I don't know. That exactly. got to me. And and that's this. This is why it's so important to, to circle back to some things we were talking about many weeks ago. It's so important for us to get marriage, sexuality, and family right. 
because this is where we learn the the illustrations, the the actual uh, flesh and blood illustrations of our relationship with the Lord. What what God is doing in His people and how we are responding to that is depicted in in the roles of marriage, in parenting, mm-hmm. uh, in the. Our, our understanding of sexuality, all of this as a package deal is God communicating himself right. to us. And if we get that wrong, which we have so heinously gotten it wrong in our society, then we don't understand God rightly. Right. So when we mess that up as adults in, in our relationship, then we pass that on to our kids. And it's that much harder for our kids to be able to understand who God is and to rightly relate to him. And so as a parent, obviously, I always want my kids to do well, right? Mm-hmm. Of course we do. Uh, and some of that is completely altruistic because I, I love my kids and I want them. But some of it, if we're honest, for all of us, to quote Bing Crosby, everybody's got a little larceny operating in them, uh, the great theologian Bing Crosby, um, there, there is a selfish part of us as sure. parents where sure. the, my kid's a reflection of me. I feel better when my kid hits a home run than I do when my kid strikes out. And some of that, hopefully most of that, is for him or her, uh, but there's a big part of that that's for me as well. When my kid's you know, given a speech at graduation, I'm swelled with pride. And if, if my response then as a parent is, you know, that, that was good, but you know, that could have been better. You, you kind of botched that line, or you know, I don't know if you used that word right. Mm-hmm. Not that there aren't times that, it, that we need to correct, but if my go-to is, that was, that, that was really great that you got a B-plus on that assignment. But, you know, you really should have gotten an A. You could, have, you could have worked a little bit harder. And that constant sort of nice try, but, you know, Sally Sue got an A. You know, right. you, you could do better than that. That leaves us with a performance feeling. And we may not be intending that as parents. We have to right. be very careful with that. And it gives us a picture that God treats us that way. That God loves me more when I perform better. And if I fail to perform well, if I if I stumble in, into sinful thoughts, attitudes, behaviors, it, then I'm, I'm, I'm done. Right. You know, or or God's gonna He's going to smite me, and and He's just looking for me to mess up. And we get that picture of the unpleasable parent. Well, that's not who He is. There's a line in. I wouldn't recommend watching this movie. There's a line in uh, Bruce Almighty. Okay. <laughs> where uh, he Jim Carrey compares God to a kid with a magnifying glass and burning ants or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, interesting that you got atheists starring in this movie. But, <laughs> but I think you know, I think maybe people do think right. that he's I, just waiting to you know, there's some burn off valid your feelers. points to see that. Right. So know? anyway, we've gone way over time. But what else is new? It is shocking. Um, so we will stop. If we put there. a commercial break and an intermission in the middle. Then you know, we my, could, and we, we could monetize the podcast. Let everybody go out and have a bathroom break or something. Something. What would our sponsor? Who would our sponsor be? Nobody wants to sponsor us. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Somebody does. Uh, who wants to sponsor? In, in this woke world, I'm going to say something that's going to offend everybody. Somebody and... wants to sponsor us. You want to sponsor? <laughs> if, you want, s- if you want to sponsor this podcast, if contact like Stacy at. Don't so. email me. Um, <laughs> email something real at reallifeonline. Email www. I don't care. Um, so yeah, we will stop there. If you do want to sponsor us, don't let listen, us know. Don't listen to her. She does care. I do care. I care an awful lot. Uh, if you do not want to sponsor She's us, go but home just and cry want now to. because of it. <laughs> Jordan's gonna go, "Mommy, are you sad?" Um, <laughs> If you want to, con- so if you want to contact us or sponsor us or just you know say hello, uh, you can email us at 
something real at reallifeonline.org. Also a good place to vent your frustration with my offensive content. No, that should be your personal email because oh, okay. I don't want to see that. Um, <laughs> you can leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. I did also notice when I was looking at it the other day. I'm sorry. I have something in my pants. I think it's an egg. Uh, <laughs> I did also notice I was looking at the Anchor app the other day. If you happen to listen to this podcast uh, via Anchor, I don't think very many people do. But if you do, you can leave a voicemail res- message still directly on there if that's easier for you than making a phone call. Uh feel free to do that and we can play it on the podcast. You don't even have to tell us who you are. That's okay. Uh, So if you want to do that, that's an option. Or you can leave us a uh, comment on Facebook or YouTube and we will address those as they come up. And we would really appreciate it if you you appreciate the podcast and you want to help us uh, spread the word of God. But but you do want to help us connect the reality of God to the realities of life uh, in the lives of other folks. Then we'd encourage you on on your podcast platform app, uh, especially if if it's iTunes, that's the biggest, or Spotify, you know, give us a five-star review, leave a comment, uh, you know, share it with somebody. You can even recommending it by word of mouth. The more we get this out uh, to other folks, then the more we have people having conversations right. about or the if, word of God. Or if you're watching the video version on Facebook or YouTube, really easy to share. Yeah. Um, if you want to see our mugs on there. Um, not our podcast mugs, but those are available as well. <laughs> but our mugs on the podcast. <laughs> our mugs on the podcast. Yeah. We should make mugs with our face. <laughs> and you can listen to Stacy's personal podcast on One Calls the Heart. So. Oh, oh, I should do that. I would just never stop talking, though. <laughs> anyway, so thank you guys for listening. and we Premium will, content, something to write about. <laughs> we will catch you next time.